0: we'll have our scripture reading from John chapter 16 and then we'll turn it over to pastor Aaron to report and then to preach for us but he's asked that I read John 16 and verses 16 to the end John 16:16 16, 16, the words of Jesus In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete." Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come When you will be scattered, each to his own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen.
1: Turn with me to John 16 and let's come to the word of God together. John 16. We live in a, in a strange time in many ways, and I'm not so much talking tonight about pandemics and riots and contentious elections and threats to religious liberty and the weirdness of social media and the sexual insanity that's gripping our nation. I mean something different. I mean that our place in redemptive history is somewhat strange. Jesus has come. He's accomplished our redemption. That work is finished and secure and sure. He has established his kingdom, but the kingdom hasn't yet come in its fullness. Satan still tempts us. He's still prowling around like a lion trying to devour us. Sin still holds sway in many. Believers are persecuted for their faith. The wicked seem to prevail all too often. We look around and we see some of the things that make our times seem so strange and in some ways terrible to us. We see the effects of the fall all around us in this world, and it's not just out there right in the church. We often feel the effects of living in a fallen world. We're still sinners, and we still sin against each other. And that creates difficulty and sorrow. The tension... That we're describing is the reality for believers in this world. We live in in what we sometimes call the overlap of the ages, the already and the not yet. When our salvation is secure, Christ has accomplished that. He's established his kingdom, and here we are, as secure now as we will be when we are with him in glory. And yet, there is so much in the world that seems so wrong still, and so difficult, and so terrible. That tension is our reality. That's the nature of the time in between the two comings of Christ, the time that we live in. He's already come and accomplished our salvation, but He's coming again to bring His kingdom in His fullness. And that time has not yet come. And we are waiting for it. And that period of time is exactly what Jesus is preparing His disciples for on the night of His betrayal. John 13-17 through 17, uh, I think probably over a year ago when I was here, I preached on John 13 and Jesus washing the disciples' feet and probably talked about some of these things, about the nature of the time that we're living in. But that's the time that Jesus is getting his disciples ready for. And, and John 13 through 17 gives us something none of the other gospel writers give us. It is, uh, it is sometimes called the upper room discourse. The other gospel writers give us the institution of the Lord's Supper that happens on this night. But they don't give us all of this teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples. And what he's doing on this last night when he is about to die is he's getting his disciples ready for the time that we now live in, the time in between his two comings. He's equipping them and us for life in that overlap of the ages when the kingdom of God has already arrived but has not yet been consummated. It's not now as it one day will be. And that, as you well know, is a difficult time in which to live. Jesus knows that. And so He's preparing His disciples for it. Now for us, we've been seeing this period of time unfold if we look back at history for some 2,000 years now. But think about these 11 disciples just on the cusp of this period about to begin. They have waited years for the coming of the Messiah. And now he's here. And he spent three years with them. And now on this night he's saying. I'm going away. Like, What you You just got here. I'm going away. And it will be good for you. That I'm going away. Well how in the world could that be? How are we going to. Jesus we've. We've just gotten used to having you with us. We now sense our need for having you with us. And now you're saying you're going away. How in the world are we going to survive without you? And that's what Jesus is preparing them for in John 13 through 17. Helping them to know what to expect and how they will be able to live in such a time. What will get them through when he's not bodily present with them? That's the context of the very few verses we want to think about together this evening. For these disciples and for us, 2,000 years later, it will not be easy. But Jesus' people will be provided with everything that they need for that period of time. And they will be protected during that period of time. And so from these last few verses of John chapter 16, I want us to think just briefly tonight about faith, peace, and victory. I don't have a lot to say tonight. I want to acknowledge that the time that we live in is really hard. But I also want to encourage you that we have everything that we need for these days. All right, faith, peace, and victory. Between the two comings of Christ, God's people will have faith, though it is sometimes weak. Listen to Jesus' disciples, and I don't have time to dig into all the context here, but listen to what they say in verse 30. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. So they make this profession of faith that's right and it's admirable. But did you catch Jesus' replies? Pastor John read it earlier. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Ouch. He knows they're about to abandon him. They're about to fail him. Judas has already left earlier in the evening to betray him. That's on a whole other level. Peter is going to deny him. And all of them will abandon him. And he tells them that hour is coming, and it's here. You're going to be scattered to your own, and you're going to leave me alone. And guess what? What Jesus said happened. Matthew 26, verse 56. Then all the disciples left him and fled. What Jesus said would happen here happened. Their faith is there. We believe that you came from God, but their faith is weak. It's faltering. Uh, We saw that another time when I came and preached on, on the doubt of Thomas and even the other disciples. They have faith, but it is weak and faltering. The Father will be with Jesus right up to when he's forsaken by the Father as he suffered his wrath for our sin. Of course, that's all before Jesus' resurrection, death, resurrection, and ascension that he says this to them. But even after the resurrection of Jesus, their faith would sometimes still be weak and falter. And don't we find it still for ourselves? We have faith. Yes. Is it sometimes weak and faltering? Also, yes. Have we denied and abandoned our Savior at times? Sadly. Also, yes. But Jesus is faithful and gentle. And while he does rebuke his disciples here, do you now believe? Look at what he does. He assures them of peace in the world as he has overcome the world. And so if your faith is small tonight, or if it is shaken, or if you have been given reason to doubt, I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say. So that's a very little bit about faith and weak, faltering faith sometimes. You can go catch the, the message on, on uh, Thomas uh, from later in John's Gospel if you want more on that. But what I want us to focus on is what Jesus says to these men with their weak, faltering faith, anticipating a time when he will no longer be with them. And that is a word of peace, secondly. Faith, now peace. Verse 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That verse is a concise summary of this period that we live in. We have peace in Christ and tribulation in this world. That's the overlap of the ages. That's the already and the not yet. And so notice where peace does not come from. It doesn't come from the absence of trouble. That's how we tend to think about peace. Or how I tend to think about it. If everything is going smoothly, then I have peace. If there's no trouble, I have peace. Jesus says, I will give you peace with the trouble, in the midst of the trouble. He says, my peace I give you. And we think, ah, oh, phew. And then he says, in this world you have tribulation. We go, what? I thought you said you are going to give me peace. And now you're talking about tribulation. Peace is not the absence of tribulation and trouble. Walking through this world, rather, will be marked by tribulation and trouble for God's people. We will face hatred and persecution and temptation. This life is full of suffering and heartache and sorrow, as Scripture tells us, and as you all have experienced Peter will later write, 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He says, expect it. This world is no friend to God's people, and we will suffer because of it. Sometimes things in the church are the source of our sorrow, since we are all still sinners, and things don't always work the way they should. But God's children in that hostile world full of tribulation and suffering and sorrow, have a sure confidence. When brothers, in church, brothers and sisters in the church disagree, and there's heartache, the hope does not disappear. They can still have peace. We can be in the stormy sea and sleep in the boat like Jesus. What an example our Savior is. Of these things. Sleeping in the boat. The disciples are bothered by that. They go wake him up. But that's what Jesus is telling us. That we're able to do. I give you my peace. You're going to have trouble in tribulation. But you can sleep. In the boat. You can have peace. In the tribulation of this world. He is our peace. And he gives us his peace. I have said these things to you. So that you may have peace. What things has Jesus said to him? Well. At least from John 13 through this point in that upper room discourse. And brothers and sisters, if you are experiencing tribulation in your walk through this world, but not experiencing the peace that Jesus talks about, you would do well and I would do well. Because I don't always have peace in the midst of the trouble either. I'm I'm a beggar showing you where to find bread tonight. I'm not a, I've got it figured out tonight. And I always have peace (laughs) because I don't. Ask yes, my wife or anybody that knows me well. So where do we go when we realize we're enduring the tribulation, but we're not finding the peace? Well, I'd encourage you to spend some time in John 13 through 17. This is, that's exactly what Jesus is getting his disciples ready for. What he's getting you ready for is living in this world in between his two comings. Listen to Him gently prepare His disciples for this very time that we are living in. And you'll find the call to focus on others in humble service as He washes His disciples' feet and calls us to do the same. That will lead you towards peace, humbly serving others. The call to love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. That, that call to love one another will lead towards peace as, as you do that and as you remember that you are loved by One another by the brothers and sisters, you'll be reminded that you know the way to the fathers. Jesus reminds them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me and that you know that way that Jesus has revealed it to you and that he's gone there to prepare a place for you and you'll experience more peace. You'll find that in John 14. You'll be reminded that the Holy Spirit is with you. Uh, There's Jesus unpacks some of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in these chapters and he's Telling them, even though I'm going away, listen, God is not leaving you. God, the Holy Spirit, will be with you to dwell in you. And to, the, the Holy Spirit is the one called alongside of you to help you and to comfort you and to advocate for you and to dwell in you and to produce fruit in you and to testify to you of your sonship and to quiet your fear. The reality of the Holy Spirit always present with you and in you and pointing you to Christ and helping you to understand his word. That reality should lead to greater peace. John 15, Christ himself abides in you as you abide in him through the word and prayer and obedience. As long as you're connected to the vine, you can have peace. And the reminder here in John 16 that your sorrow will be swallowed up with joy and you can enjoy sweet peace in the midst of tribulation. And then keep going. Get into John 17 and just listen into to Jesus and see if you don't find comfort in the words of the Savior crying out to his Father for you. And there are places in John 17 where he prays for you. See if you can find them, And you'll find greater peace. Jesus said earlier this night, John 14:27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's his peace, my peace, I give to you. It's not something the world can give. It's not. It's better than the peace of, of calm circumstances. The world will try to offer you all sorts of peace and financial security and job security and things that... If if you're able to enjoy those things, that's great. Gifts of God and and His gifts can be part of the the source of our peace. But Jesus gives you something better. He gives you His peace. The peace of being made right with God through Him. The peace of knowing that you are secure in His hands. And that nothing can snatch you out of His hands. That's the kind of peace that Jesus gives. My peace. My peace. I give to you it's not peace that's built on the shifting circumstances of this world it's built on him and so it can be true and genuine real lasting peace because Jesus cannot fail his disciples and so there's faith and there's peace and one other truth to meditate on to feel that peace is victory you see what he says there in verse 33 In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This world that is such a source of sorrow and suffering and persecution, it's a defeated foe. Jesus has overcome it. He's conquered it. He has victory over the world. The world and the ruler of this world and all of his followers did their worst. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. conquered sin and death and satan and hell and the world we celebrate a victory when we celebrate the resurrection of jesus from the dead i have overcome the world he says it hadn't happened when jesus said this but it's as good as done the plan of god can't be thwarted jesus. i have overcome the world so take heart be of good courage as jesus said to his disciples in the boat in the lake during the storm without jesus that's an empty encouragement but We have Jesus, and it's not an empty encouragement. We have every reason to take heart. You see why I said we live in a strange time. You may feel that your hope is threatened, that the world is proving victorious. It's apparent that the victory of Christ has some more territory to cover before it's complete in that sense. But in the sense of being sure and complete, it is as good as done. Jesus has conquered. And do you know what that means? It means that you will too. It can't be otherwise. Romans 8.37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through this Jesus who has overcome the world, we are more than conquerors. And that cannot be taken away from the people of God. It's no empty promise of peace that Jesus makes here in John 16, brothers and sisters. It's rooted in the victorious Christ himself. No tribulation, no discord, no suffering, no heartache can take it away. But since we live in the overlap of the ages, the other thing that gives us peace as we face suffering and trouble and heartache in this life is that Jesus is coming again. These strange circumstances that we live in are temporary. They exist in between the two comings of Christ. When he comes again, it will all be over. And we will be without suffering. Listen, this is true. Not just platitudes. One day we will be without suffering, hurt, sorrow, pain, and heartache. Whether that's inflicted by the world, it will be conquered Or whether it takes place sometimes even the church. And the church will be glorified. And no longer sinning against one another. And so brothers and sisters in this hostile, fallen, broken world. Where it may sometimes feel like Christians are losers. And not victors. In this world where even Christians don't always see eye to eye with each other sometimes. Be of good cheer as you wait. While Jesus is physically absent from us he is present with us by his spirit and we have everything that we need your sorrow will be turned to joy you right now have access to the father you have great understanding and light you have faith though it may falter it will not fail and the peace of christ is yours right now as is his victory Now, I haven't told you a single thing that you don't already know tonight. But I hope it's encouraging to be reminded of it and to think about it again. It's good news in a sin-weary world that hates Christ and Christianity. It's good news for you tonight if you don't know Jesus. It can be good news for you. If you will come and put your faith in this Jesus, you can enjoy his peace. You can know his victory over the world. You can be part of this imperfect, flawed church. I don't just mean this one. I mean the church. The universal church. You can be part of that. And on your way to an eternity without all of the bad things that you see in this world. That can be yours if you trust in Christ tonight. And if you are trusting in Christ tonight, it is yours. Whether you feel like it or not. It's good news for sin-weary Christians who are tired of the struggle. Take heart. You can have peace in Christ in the midst of your tribulation. And this very world that gives you such trouble, Jesus has overcome. And he is coming again. And so we say hallelujah, what a Savior. May we know his sure and certain peace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Son, our Savior Jesus. We thank you that he promises peace, that he gives us his peace, that he has conquered this world that we live in, that we so struggle in. We thank you that he has given us everything that we need for this time. We pray that in, instead of complaining or despairing, we might be a people who, who look to your rich supply and have hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving and yes, even peace in the midst of the difficulty and turmoil and heartache that we experience day by day. We pray that we would find comfort in our Savior Jesus and the fact that we are not alone. We thank you for your Spirit who dwells in us and gives us all that we need for this life until we are home with you in the next. Until then, give us your peace. Give us grace to know and experience that peace and to rest in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.